We all need to laugh. We choose truth over facts. And now for a perpetual political protest in progress. Judge my physical mental fit, my physical as well as my mental fitness. Coffee time. And welcome to the Ammo Can Coffee Social Club, a conservative hour of power and enlightenment salon. Yes, uh, we're here for the enlightenment part, but not the haircut. And uh, speaking of haircuts, uh, we just had a guest uh, enter and he's about to bounce. Uh, Mr. President, welcome back to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Always a pleasure to be here. Your coffee is so American, I can't even speak right now. You, you know, I'm I'm drinking the red part of red, white, and blue. I'm 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 uh, tasting our our white coffee. Actually, I guess there is blue in this one. We ran out of huckleberry, but uh, we got the blueberry white coffee, white chocolate uh, uh, americano rolling over ice here. Permit me a, a slurp. Your slurp is permitted. I'm sampling some of your terrific cappuccino over here. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely so. more milk than anything else at first, but once you get past that, it was fantastic. <laughs> so, so President, uh, uh, we we've seen uh, we've seen a couple of your crew bouncing through uh, here recently. Actually, rumbling through. It's like sons of thunder. Uh, tell us a little bit. Uh, you, you had some folks that came down here. First off, we're bouncing everywhere. All right, the movement's far from over. Okay, freedom, America, etc. It's all going fantastic. But yes, there were some bikers. Fantastic people, I know them. They were representing one of our current political proponents you versus know, uh, opponents. You know, uh, so that was Kelly Shabaka. Kelly came down, and there was a cruise in the Kenai for Kelly. And it was amazing to see all the people basking in the limelight there. It was all about Kelly. But uh, Sarah Palin visited. Uh, there were, If you caught our last uh, podcast, you got to hear from Scott and the, the, the crew that came up to, to support uh, that. Now, Marshalline. The mean girl off of Urban Cowboy. And Connie, I can't remember her last name right now. Connie, I'm sorry for that. Uh, now, were you able to meet Marshalline? Negative. Negative. Can't uh, say that I was, but I'm sure I will in the future. So uh, we really appreciate you coming in. Uh, what else has been going on? I see you're, I, I'm actually looking at Real America Voice right now, and you're, you're on Real America Voice. It, this is amazing. You're everywhere. Jason. At one time, that says live, but I'm looking at you right across the, the the studio here. How can you do that? I mean, that's amazing. Jason, let me tell you, I am everywhere. Sometimes I'm in more than one place at one time. Would it be fair to say that you are omnipresent? Possibly just due to trick photography, but yes, I'll claim the title of omnipresent for now. Or omnipresent, maybe. Omnipresent, yes. Yeah, there we go. I'm coming back. There's nothing Sleepy Joe can do about it. So usually you run with a whole entourage of people. Uh, uh, last time you were here, you, you, you brought Nick Cage with you. Have you seen Nick lately? All Did I can tell you is I think he's putting his package together for uh, running for Secretary of Defense. He said something about the next time trying to try something, we're just going to go find some rockets. I think he was just reliving his good old glory days from The Rock, but you know what? We're going to run with it. I think if anybody had Nicolas Cage as Secretary of Defense, no civilized nation on Earth would mess with him because they wouldn't know what he was going to do. 
Yeah, yeah, I remember the last visit when he when he came along with you. He was talking about Rockettes, and I I thought it was the dancing troupe, but apparently he was talking about Kim Jong uh, Un or Il or whoever. Just gonna go find some Rockettes. Yeah. Oh, oh, there he is. There he is. Well, I just watched Color Out of Space. That was trippy. Wow. Woo. <laughs> We need to put Nicolas Cage in more Lovecraftian stuff. It just doesn't make sense. It's great. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you bouncing in and out. I know that you're running and you're leaving town today. But uh, we really have Baron and Melania over in the corner sipping some of your coffee as well. I really do need to go. They're very sneaky. I, I didn't see them, but you know, it's, it's uh, most terrifying. In fact, when they are quiet, because you don't know what's happening. Well, in the Secret Service, they're really good at their job. They're so secret. I have not seen them in the studio at all. I'm sure they're lurking. Uh, we do have air shadows. Vents. They're in the air vents. In the air vents. You'll okay. never see them coming. Okay, it's fantastic. <laughs> all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Jug, Judd Hack. Uh, thank you, Judd, for coming and visiting us. Yeah. Uh, it's always a pleasure uh, when you're bouncing yep. and uh, we'd love to see you when you get back and uh, get another update on what the great president uh, right. uh, Donald Trump is up to these days. Well, thanks for having me again. This was a very, as Bob Ross would say, a happy accident. <laughs> I walked in for coffee and I got a microphone. This that's, is great. All that's right. awesome. You guys have a great couple of weeks. I'll see All you. right. So uh, folks, uh, thank you for, for uh, bearing with us with, uh, with Judd. He's, uh, he's gonna, he is literally bouncing. Uh, out the door with his uh, three kiddos, but we have some other guests in the in the uh, the cafe studio here now. Um, I'm not quite sure what Julie is doing with the broom. Was there a spill? Uh, Garrett yeah. okay. decided to dump his coffee on the oh. floor. Okay. <laughs> well, fortunately, we are on the tile. So, Garrett, why don't you grab a seat, and uh, Julia will continue her menial labor. And um, uh, Garrett is, uh, you know, he, he is family here at Ammo Can. If you've not met Garrett, then you're missing out. He's a great musician. He's a local activist. Uh, he is the brainchild behind the uh, Liberty Action uh, AK group that uh, is uh, um, kind of taking a, a summer break. People are pulled different directions by family and whatnot. I know a number of folks are out there still supporting, like uh, the work that David Haig is doing. I know some folks have attached themselves to campaigns because it is campaign season. If you haven't noticed all the gigantic billboards, is it just me or are there more gigantic billboards this year than in, in recent memory? Uh, I, I'm seeing them everywhere. Yeah. Is there a rule against that? Have big giant billboards in Alaska or something? <laughs> uh, a, not if you're a political candidate. No, okay, so okay. so yeah. um, maybe Ammo Can Coffee needs to run for office. You know, yeah. we'll become, what is that, that loophole where corporations are individuals, but under the <laughs> law, right? Oh yeah. we, I should incorporate yeah. and run as Ammo Can Coffee for Senate. Yeah, then you won't have the legal same legal ramifications as. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all about the really loopholes. The loopholes. So ammo can can just self-identify as yes, a candidate. Yes, we will self and you know, can is part of our name. So candidate is not a far stretch. So we are an ammo candidate, right? And and everybody loves ammo. So uh, except for those people who don't, you know, <laughs> but. Um, uh, so we have we have a uh, Kristen. So they need it to defend themselves. That, yes, right. yes, yes. Uh, Kristen Giesler has joined us uh, along with her husband Steve, and for those who are uh, loyal uh, converts, uh, who are members of the Ammo Can Army here, you'll remember that they came in early on in our podcast uh, history. By the way, if you haven't seen it on Facebook, our last episode was episode number fifty. Number Ooh, fifty. Uh, 
That's that's crazy. I can't believe that we've hit the, the number 50, but it's also this week is our annual anniversary. So we have been in existence one full calendar year, and uh, I think it's appropriate to welcome back a guest uh, that we had early on in the show. And um, so, so Kristen, your life is full of drama and <sighs> and uh, and all sorts of things. And I've only been hearing echoes and rumors and uh, and and hushed voices saying silently, "Did you hear what happened?" Um, so, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> still, yeah, still be here, stay. right? Yeah, I'm still here. We'll use that qualifier. She is uh-huh. still here, ladies and gentlemen. So, so tell us, there, the, all I heard, I heard something about an altercation with one of our fine licensed professionals in the, in, in the community. Well, since the beginning of time, I have pretty much been one of the most misunderstood <laughs> clinics here in the peninsula because, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the medical practices don't really understand what exactly it is that I do. Well, let's let's give the name of your practice real quick. Um, Be Well Medicine, and we also have our Functional Medicine of Alaska. Okay, and um, that's located at. We are right there in Kenai. I just I just want people who are going to do the picketing to know where to show up. Oh to. Lord, <laughs> tossing of things in the windows. In that and case, <laughs> we're right across from the hospital. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was bad. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, medical offices here don't really understand what it is that we do, and um, you know I've even heard rumors recently that if if patients come to us for consultation, whether it's for wellness, whether it's for diabetes or heart disease or an IV or heaven forbid it's COVID, that they will be terminated from their primary care. So that is just appalling to me because I don't do primary care. See, whenever somebody talks about medical providers and termination, I think of eugenicists and Nazis. You know, I never want to be terminated. And that's the last thing I want to hear my well, doctor say, we are going to terminate you. Well, I, I fire patients all the time when they're not safe. Well, being fired is, I, I mean, that's a little less drastic than terminated. You wow. know, so anyway, so like your Arnold impersonation. You, did you like that? <laughs> you know, well, it's because oh, I've got a large gap between my, my two. That helps. <laughs> See that, dude? Yeah. Anyway, uh, so so let's talk about the wall. Uh, you you met a wall, wall recently. Okay, so some people in this community know that I love to sing. <laughs> Garrett knows this, yeah. and I was out having a girls' night with my girlfriends, and some of my bandmates were out also. And fortunately for this gentleman, all of the male friends that were out had left, like literally two minutes before this incident. And I was with my girlfriends and I noticed a a physician also enjoying music that I have never had any negative interactions with that actually was quite nice to me anytime I've ever dealt with them. So I did what most normal people would do and I said hello. If I had thought for one moment what was going to happen after I stuck my hand out to shake his hand, I probably wouldn't have, well, no, I never would have said hello to this uh, gentleman. Uh, yeah, it, uh, it did not go as planned. I, um, 
introduced myself. I said hello, and his smile immediately left his face, and he took hold of me and proceeded to... In an embrace? <laughs> a loving embrace. No, 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 no. Definitely not. So not loving embrace. Definitely not. Um, so how did he take hold of you? Actually, <clears throat> there is surveillance video. Steve, would you like to explain that? <laughs> Yeah, Steve, I, I don't want to trigger a PTSD sort of response oh, yeah, on our guest me. here. But, Steve, what did the video uh, the video footage show? Uh, the video footage showed uh, him grasping her by one of the arms and proceeding to uh, back her up into the wall, uh, constantly speaking, you know, within an inch of her face. Uh, was... Uh, you know, you don't want to be a husband watching that. So not a not a fun thing to watch. And sadly, um, it was busy. So people didn't really notice what was going on at mm -hmm. first. Yes, I I was immediately really taken aback by the things coming out of his mouth. He called me a murderer, um, pretty much said that. So on the record, how many people have you murdered lately? <laughs> Zero. Um, well. I haven't had. I yeah. think they call that fake news. Yeah, definitely okay. fake news. So he basically accused me of being a murderer. He said he's been taking care of my patients in the hospital, that he has buried 2,000 or thousands. I don't remember if he said exactly that number, but he pretty much said that he has taken care of thousands of my patients and buried them, and that he has um, put in numerous complaints about me to the medical board and he pretty much said that I'm a, a fake, a fraud, I'm a murderer, and I don't deserve to practice. And he had a whole, he had a good grip on how, me. How many staff do you employ over there? Three. Two. 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 Two, two yeah. So two, thousands two. of people, two employees, one nurse practitioner. Mm -hmm. uh, and one IV nurse who's kind of separate from well, us. Well, you know, the IV nurses can really crank through the <laughs> numbers of people. If you had to estimate, how large is your practice? Um, Thousands of people? Well, I've taken care of quite a few mm -hmm. COVID patients in the last two years. And the first thing I said to this man was, whoa, 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 you have me mistaken for someone else. I have not had anybody die of COVID that has been my patient, and I have not had anybody die in the hospital that is my patient. In fact, I only had one elderly lady in the hospital, and she was discharged. Okay. And because she had early treatment. Uh-huh. So I, I was, at first, I was like, oh, this guy thinks I'm somebody else. And that's when he made it personal. Then he proceeded very loudly in front of a lot of people to admit that he was in my medical record, which is just really appalling to me and brought up a miscarriage that I had in 2019 and then called me a whore and said I had STDs, which was really wackadoo because I know there's nothing I've been married for 20 years. We just had our 20 year anniversary. So I, so would I was it, just would like, it be reasonable for me to uh, assume that this was an establishment that served adult beverages? Yes. Okay. It, was it was he possibly under the influence of an adult, adult beverage? Or two, or ten, <laughs> or something else, or something else. Okay, well, that's always unsettling to hear about a doctor who is uh, out in the community losing his mind while under a mind-altering right. substance. Uh, you know, I mean, 
I, I've been known to tip a long neck in, in my in my time. And uh, I've never found myself in a position where I'm taking a woman of any kind, whether it's my wife, my child, or anybody else, and push them against a wall and say obscene things to them. It was appalling to me. And at that point, I think I kind of was like, whoa. And I'm, I'm against the wall, and I'm looking around, and I realized that all the guys were gone that were around with us, my bandmate, and and you yeah, had left. Yeah, um, and I look over and I see my two girlfriends who are watching me, and they immediately flew over. And what I didn't realize is that when Allison pulled me away, my other girlfriend had to prevent him from following me outside. So he had intention, in my opinion, of more than just talking to me, which really was scary after the fact. So, so kind of summarize this whole deal. I mean, obviously you've had a different opinion on treatment and prevention protocols than some of the folks who uh, hold different degrees from you and are practicing in the medical arts here in the community. And there's been a, a disagreement in, in uh, practice and methodology and, and approaches. But I remember a day when if I went to a doctor or a medical practitioner and they told me something I didn't want to hear, or I didn't like, or I didn't agree with, or I was maybe I was confused or uncertain, or it wasn't clear to me. Uh, maybe they had a bad bedside manner, or they just weren't good communicators. That I could freely, of my own volition, go seek a second opinion. And if I didn't like that one, I could go seek a third opinion. Until I found somebody who could clearly communicate with me whatever it was I needed to know so that I could feel okay about my health or uh, the, the recommended course of treatment to deal with whatever I may be medically dealing with, right? But it sounds like in some people's minds that's no longer permissible. It's very sad to me, and, and I, I just want to, just for the record, I, I really feel like this gentleman needs some, some mental help, and I don't want to see him lose his medical license over this. I think that he is what I would consider extremely stressed out working in ICU and really not taking care of patients because the mainstream guidelines are failing. We, we know this, that over the last two years, the mainstream guidelines have completely failed treating COVID patients. So this is a person who sees death all day. And he's looking for someone to blame other than himself and his medical oversight. So why not blame the girl who stands up for patient rights, freedom of choice of what you want to put into your body? I was just the, the target that night, sadly. Um, you know, you know what's 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 ironic is that that I've noticed that um, some of the loudest people who are opponents of alternative treatment protocols and prevention protocols also are very liberal in other areas of medicine, where they would talk about uh, a woman's freedom to choose when it comes to uh, terminating a pregnancy, or when they talk about a an adolescent who 
as jumping on the bandwagon of transgenderism because everybody's doing it and is walking through the door wanting hormone replacement therapy. Or, or even, dare I say, those folks who say, look, if you're tired of life and you have a terminal disease, or maybe you don't, you're just depressed all the time, you should have the freedom to find a, a eugenicist doctor and, and take a shot and just pass, fade away into the darkness and, and end it. And, and it, it's, it's interesting to see where, uh, where medicine has gone. You know, this isn't the first time in the history of the world that medicine has taken this dark turn. And, um, you know, I, I, I heard uh, a story about how, how Nazi nurses arrived at the place that they did when many of them started their profession as caring individuals who, who loved working with people, wanted to provide good care, but over time were indoctrinated into or accepted this alternative agenda. And uh, I know that you're, you're under a, a nursing license. Correct. And so can you tell us a little bit about what that license does? Why does that license exist? Oh, that license is to set a standard of practice to make sure that patients get the optimal medical care, that we are monitored by our governing body. One thing that I absolutely love about my board is that they will allow you to show competence if you've had training. And I've had a lot of training. I've had, I'm, I'm board certified in anti-aging. I'm certified in functional medicine. Now, granted, it's different than what my mainstream colleagues around this area do, but everything that I do is evidence-based. That's where there's this line in the sand. Um, I'm looking at all of the studies, not just the ones that the AMA says I should. I'm looking at things that are going to prevent the diseases of aging. So I'm doing things to reverse things. My patients that come to me want wellness. They want to reverse their diabetes or heart disease. They want to prevent the Alzheimer's. It's, it's different. Who wants to go to a doctor and say, doc, I feel like I'm getting older. I think I'm getting arthritis and you know, my back doesn't work as well as it used to. I, I've got this weird lump over here. I'm getting varicose veins. And the doctor looks at you and says, I don't know what to tell you, Jason. Here's You're getting pills. older. You're screwed. Here's some pills. Here's some pills. Here's some pills. <clears throat> and and uh, hopefully you can forget about it all. And oh, by the way, if it doesn't work, you know, you didn't hear this from me, but you might have a beer when you take those pills. <laughs> you know, I've actually heard a number of medical professors, say, uh, professionals say say things like that. I actually oh. had a I had a I had an ingrown toenail. Okay, I was a runner. Those are disgusting, by the way. Um, but uh, I was in college. I was always smashing my toes running, and uh, and I had to get this thing taken care of. And there was a clinic on campus. And the guy who fixed my toe, you know, he did surgery, day surgery on it, gave me some, some opioids and said, you didn't hear this from me. I'm a college kid, right? This is the last thing I need to hear from a medical professional. Uh, if they don't take the edge off, just drink a beer with it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and wow. I'm pretty sure the indications of doing that were like, if you drink alcohol with this, death may occur. That's why I didn't hear it from him. <laughs> yeah, so, 
So, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of people out there practicing, and, and, and practicing indicates that the science is not settled, that there's always something new to learn, there's always something changing. Right. And it's developing. Constantly. Yeah, constantly. I, and yeah. so, so it, it, uh, I'm sorry to hear that you uh, went through this experience, but, you know, people need to understand... Um, I think this is a good demonstration. Thank you for not naming the individual. No. Uh, we don't need to get sued for defamation or whatever. No, but, no, no. Um, but you know, this is a good, uh, I guess, uh, case study in the psychosis that has accompanied the information being promoted. Correct. By not only Dr. Fauci and the Fauciites, you know, that surround him. But our own state, our own governor, our own medical officer, our own pharmaceutical board, you know, uh, did you have any cases? I think you did tell me that that there were people who had been prescribed certain things. Um, How frequently have you heard about your patients not being able to get their prescriptions filled? I... There are certain pharmacies that I don't even try anymore. I have my, well, first let me tell you that I have very little COVID right now. My patients are healthy. If we get a little COVID, it's very treatable. So is that, <laughs> a, is that a new strain of COVID? Little COVID? It's kind of like <laughs> long, COVID. long COVID. Just a little but, COVID. But this is, this is petite COVID? No, <laughs> I, I do take care of quite a few long COVIDs from last year that get well very quickly with our regimens, if that helps. Well, maybe I, I may need to come see you because I've been feeling, you know, like I have some long lingering thing going on. <laughs> You know, maybe it's old age. But you can take care of that, too, uh, right? That's yes. Right. It's hard work to come and see us. My patients hate me. They do. I make them work. My regimens, my regimens are hard. It's not an easy thing, for sure. So let's dispel in anybody who might be thinking, now, now do you do bloodletting? You know, if someone has a really high ferritin and they have too much blood, there are indications for hemochromatosis to do that, you know. Oh, really? And there's medical studies on that. Well, let's talk about about leeches and maggots in that order. No, I don't like bugs. So no bugs in my clinic. All right. right. There are studies, though. There are studies. I just saw something something bounce across MSN. Uh, You know, I don't watch MSN, but it's on my stupid computer because Bing is attached to it, where it said, you know, new study finds uh, uh, maggots do work. <laughs> you know, and I've heard this, that, that with people who have necrosis or some, some problem that they can't cut enough of it away to stop it from happening, they'll just, here, we're going to give you a little fly larva and, you know, put it on oh, the skin. Like and, oh, yeah. yeah just, maggots just, do eat away the dead. Yeah, just guys. don't, just don't, uh, don't mind the tickling sensation. Yeah. No, I've They're just working their this. magic. They're caressing you. They're caressing you. Back, back a, when I was a, a nurse. It's a loving nibble. <laughs> back when I was a nurse with Flo, Florence Nightingale, um, I remember being about 22 and seeing a homeless man in the ER. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was another life. Anyway, he... He had a ginormous wound, and it was wrapped, and mm-hmm. obviously was supposed to have that dressing changed on a very regular basis, but he was homeless. And I remember when I took those bandages off, it had probably been months. Okay, folks, if you have a weak, weak stomach, you <laughs> might want to fast forward no, through this part. It was crazy. <laughs> yes, there was maggots, but that 
wound bed was clean. It was crazy. I remember being really young and being like, I need to find something to put under my nose. The smell. Oh, oh my gosh. That's when I first discovered Vicks. peppermint essential oil. <laughs> peppermint essential yeah. oil. Oh, heavens. Vicks, so Vicks if, wouldn't have cut it if there. If you have a mega <laughs> problem, it's uh, uh, doTERRA sells a product. <laughs> yeah, to put under your nose for the smell. Oh, gosh. Yeah. ER days. I'm no longer ER certified. Okay. I don't want to play in the ER anymore. <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about something completely different. Let's talk about music. So so music. I mean, you went out for a good time, right? And, and were you actually singing music? Not that night. Not I'd, that I night. Think, I think I don't believe we had band practice that night either. Maybe the day before, but it was a karaoke, wasn't it? No. No, it not karaoke. karaoke oh. It was. Um, there was another band playing that I'd never seen, and we were all out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, zero Miles Zero, zero Miles Zero Miles. Yeah, good okay. friend. Good yeah. friend. Uh, Robert, um, Robert Carlson. Yeah, he's yeah. a really great front man. Um, yeah. I'm learning from all these amazing <laughs> bands out here, and you too. Um, I'm learning how to be a good singer. Anyway, so it was a great night. I was having fun. Hubby stayed home with the kids. It was great. I had so my girlfriends with me. What's your, what's your favorite genre of music? If you had to pick one. That's good. Pretty much punk. I like punk music. Punk. Punk rock. Girl punk. punk. Girl punk. <laughs> so Girl in the punk. evening, Steve, when, when, when the clinic's close, do you get do you get a lot of like uh, I don't know uh, the cure. The cure. The, the cure. Donnas. I mean, um, that, it would have to be the cure. You're in a medical clinic, right? So yeah. you know, it's her favorite. Yeah, I love it <laughs> for sure. But, um, now my amazing husband, our oldest, recently moved out and turned second oldest. Second oldest, yes. Well, our oldest daughter, our only daughter. Just moved out and uh, turned a room into a nice little music room for us, so I'm happy. So you listen to any, like, Rage Against Machine? Huh. That would be apropos. <laughs> you know, Rage, a little Rage. You know that they're no longer Raging Against the Machine, correct? They are part, they're they're part of the machine. They've become part of the machine. Yes, yeah. yeah. You had to be fully vaccinated, I think, to go to their <laughs> last concerts. You know, I got really annoyed the other night uh, because uh, we're going to switch gears again. Um, uh, actually, last night, uh, I attended a Republican Party meeting. And, um, you know, I had three different appointments all stacked on top of each other's. It just, that's the way summer is, right, in Alaska. And, and I had to choose between the three things. And so I got coverage for the other two things, and I went to this meeting, and I was hopeful. You know, I, was, I like hanging with conservative folks, and um, it didn't go exactly like I expected. But uh, talking about politics, you know, for those that are not aware, uh, Steve, you filed to run for an office, and um, you're no longer, as I understand it, you're no longer running for the office. Or can you can you tell us a little bit about sort of your thought process when you filed, what what office you filed for, and then kind of your journey. So I didn't actually file. Oh, okay, um, you didn't. Okay. I was on the verge of filing. Um, had conversations with, uh, you know, Dave Peck and mm -hmm. uh, several other people in the political community. Um, Ron Gillum and I got together for a while. Um, and... Ultimately, our concern and the reason I chose not to run was the under, the idea that should Ron and I both run for the same House seat, we'd basically split the same vote. Um, 
we both, uh, looking at his voting record, I don't see much difference between what I would vote for and what he voted for. Would you um, vote to strip the abortion language or allow that abortion language to be removed from the the budget? <laughs> mm. I'm just getting clarification. I want so, to know how alike you are. I'm very pro-life. Okay, so the next question. Would you have voted for the largest budget in state history that expanded the liabilities on our spreadsheet and ultimately would undermine the PFD in the future? So, no. Again, I'm very conservative. So, um, hmm. I said we would... Uh, we would vote very similarly. Oh, okay. Right. So, well, it's it's good to clarify these things. Yes, because because the fact that you were considering it gives me hope that in the future you may consider it again. Yes. No. Ultimately, the the deciding factor was not that him and I would vote perfectly in sync, but we would vote similarly enough and both appeal to the conservative community that it would split the conservative community and the person running against him is justin ruffridge correct soldat in a professional pharmacy and chairman of the pharmacy board bing 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 winner winner chicken dinner okay <sighs> i've 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 been around yes any research um <laughs> He touts himself as a conservative. Yes, he's been on our show. He would like to come on our show again. And um, honestly, I've had a lot of conversations with him. Mm -hmm. And I've had more than one instance where he has said one thing and done another and put patients at risk for it. Okay. And that ultimately was the driving force behind my... Your, your patients? Your, yes. Uh, your clinic's patients? Correct. Yes. Okay. And that was ultimately the deciding factor for wanting to get involved in the first place was to make sure that he did not have an unencumbered platform to talk about whatever he wanted and to spin the story however he wanted. So I know that he's gone out and said that he's never, quote, never turned away a patient for ivermectin. And I know that to be an absolute boldface lie. And I can quote, Kristen's getting and a time. little apoplectic <laughs> over here. Oh, Yeah. The paper bag is for the uh, hyperventilation. Exactly, you can exactly. Use that; it makes great sound effects on on air. He is just a wolf in sheep's clothing. He puts on a smile. He's very charming. He's, he's a very typical charming. politician. He's a very charming individual. Very charming. I've, I've talked to him a number of times. He's come into the shop, and you know, um, he's very he's very keen on on uh, packaging himself as a conservative. But I too have have some concerns. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that, uh, when I went to Juno, I worked for Ron Gillum and I told Ron when he went down there, I said, you know, uh, there's one issue. If you vote wrong on it, you won't hear the door hit me on my way out. And that was the pro-life issue. And, uh, I think Ron's kind of squishy on it, honestly, and uh, I withdrew my endorsement publicly of him. Uh, I gave him uh, plenty of opportunities to address uh, our listeners on the podcast or even to talk to me just directly, um, which he rejected. Uh, I reached out to him on a, on a, uh, a text message, um, told me that he was too busy. He had too many public engagements, and he would talk to me after the regular session was over. 
Uh, he did not know that I would be at one of those public engagements, which was the Peninsula Sportsman Show. And we were three booths away from each other for three days. And he was there all three days. And I went by his table every day and said, hey, would you like to talk now? Because I wanted to know what his thought process was for kicking David Eastman out of the conservative caucus. And what his thought process was for allowing the caucus to uh, tell Christopher Kirka that he shouldn't be in the room when they were talking about the budget in caucus. Which is essentially kicking somebody out of the caucus without having the common decency to actually announce it publicly and take a position that would maybe expose that you weren't nearly as conservative as you said you were. Because those two gentlemen are the most conservatives, without a question, the most conservative individuals in that caucus. So I would encourage you uh, to consider in the future running for office again, because I honestly think that Ron Gillum may lose this election because Ruffridge has the entire weight of the unions and the government types and the Fauciites and <sighs> and the the craziest people on the planet pulling for him. And there's a lot of them in this community. I've had the interesting opportunity to meet a number of them who have taken time out of their day to come into our shop and try to disrupt it. And there's those people they're motivated like no one else. You know, we have conservatives who, who think that we're going to have this big red wave, right? Well, we've heard that before, and it didn't happen. And we can argue about why it didn't happen or how that went down, but it doesn't do us any good because at the end of the day, it didn't happen. And so if everybody thinks, well, this, this uh, election is in the bag... I think that you're deceiving yourselves. And, and if you're listening to this or you're within the hearing my voice and you're thinking that maybe it's not important to vote this year or you'll get around to it if you get time away from fishing, then you're making a bad miscalculation, a, a poor decision. And really the only person on the ballot this year now uh, is Mr. Gillum. And so you have Mr. Gillum or Mr. Ruffridge. And again, we're faced with a decision of which guy do I not like the least? Well, I think it'll be an absolute tragedy for the medical community if if this gentleman... Um, Mr. Ruffridge. Yeah, if he, if he is elected. Um, it isn't just about COVID treatments. It's playing doctor when he's not a doctor. Um, he is a pharmacist and he is not looking at patients at the bedside. He's not doing an assessment. He is not um, looking at why medications are prescribed. I do a lot of environmental acquired illness in my practice and I have, you know, a lot of sick patients and I've had not just COVID prescriptions. It's questioning hormones, questioning antifungals, questioning medications that are compounded. It's everything. I've had refusals to fill. I've had just nothing but difficulty. I don't like to work with him. Well, let, let's talk about some drugs real quick. I, yes, sir. I Go just ahead. wanted to, to point out that it's not necessarily all the pharmacists at SPP. Um, but you their know, administrator? 
I think that the big part of it is an administrative issue. And he owns three or four pharmacies. Partially. Okay, so Um, I heard he has ownership in one in Juneau. Interesting. Uh, One here. And then a third one somewhere else. I'm not sure where the third one is. I wasn't aware of that, but um, his influence here in Alaska has been nothing but difficult for me. Um, because he has all the pharmacies afraid to dispense the COVID medications and just afraid to dispense things in general. I did confront him on that. I had a conversation with the owner of the longest operating pharmacy in Fairbanks um, and uh, asked him, because I don't know if you know what Alignable is. Do you know what Alignable is? It's it's this weird yes, like, it's like a social networking, networking thing for you businesses. You should be friends with or connect yeah. with. You yeah. have something in common. Well, I got this though. I don't know if the algorithms had a bad you know Friday night and woke up hungover or something, but uh, I got this this notice that that I had something in common with uh, this pharmacist in Fairbanks. Not generally, I only get people in my local community. Right. So I got. So I don't know if Alignable's listening to me or <laughs> what, but so I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll, I'll call this guy up. And I called him up and I was like, hey, uh, Alignable just said we have something in common. I couldn't have any idea what that might be, but out of curiosity, I thought I might just call you. And I said, here's what I do. Uh, we have a podcast. So this is really the only thing I can think that would be something that connects us. Do you mind giving me a quick interview? 45 minutes of interview happened. And I asked him, I said, so so on this whole COVID thing, if somebody prescribes ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, or the second or third tier of prevention or, uh, you know, uh, therapeutic options, because there's a whole bunch of things you can do, um, are you going to honor that script? And he said, absolutely not. And I said, why not? He said, because uh, they, uh, most of those drugs are being used off-label. They're not being used uh, for what they were designed for. And the CDC, the NIH, uh, the pharmacy board, you know, all these folks have made it clear that uh, we cannot do that. And so then I followed up and I asked him, I said, so, so if a doctor prescribes hormone treatment therapy to a healthy young girl to transition into a more masculine form uh are you going to honor that script because that's being off used off label and he said yes we will and i said uh so let's talk about cancer for a minute i know that there are treatments used for cancer with off-label drugs um that have proven to have some beneficial effects are you going to honor those scripts yes yes i am so what you're saying, you know, resonates with me, you know, and, and I told Mr. Ruffridge this and I said, so what about it? He's like, well, I wasn't aware of any of that. We never made any kind of statement to anybody that would um, lead them to believe that they might have an, an adverse licensing action. Uh, you know, um, so he's, he's really he's really piling it higher and deeper, it sounds. Uh, you know, he's always welcome to come and defend himself. And he does want to be on the show again. So we'll probably have him on here to, to say whatever he's going to say. One of the things I wanted to mention um, regarding him and the other pharmacists in the practice there, specifically is regarding a management concept. Um, this is a man 
running for a political office, which is basically management for our community. And he's failed to communicate the outcome of conversations that we've had where he's authorizing that we can send prescriptions there for fulfillment. And then when two, three, five days later, you send somebody over there and the pharmacists that are on staff that day say, well, we haven't heard anything about this. We can't honor this script until we talk with Justin, who's not in that day. If he can't properly manage and communicate what he says he's going to do and authorize within a small microcosm of a single pharmacy, how can we expect him to properly manage our community? Well, and, and would it be fair to state that, that these are situations that may be approaching an emergency status that without the proper, the proper uh, pills or um, you know medications that somebody's situation could deteriorate more quickly and they could be in real danger. Absolutely. So sitting on a script or not being a good administrator and reviewing the script and releasing it either or are both failures. Absolutely. Of the mission. Okay. So my, my favorite was early on in COVID having a, a gentleman who was a big person and needed someone um, of large girth. Yes. Okay. And, and um, I remember being told that I'm not comfortable filling more than 15 milligrams of this medication for this patient because you're going to kill his liver. And so what ended up happening ultimately is I sent a prescription down south and he, this poor gentleman was given a 15 milligram prescription and he ended up taking a lot, like all of it at once to make the correct dosage that he actually needed until his prescription could come from, from another pharmacy down south, which it was just ridiculous because yes, there was a, a delay in care over 24 hours and this was a sick patient. He did not feel good at all. and. Um, again, that's another situation where it's taking away the provider's rights to calculate the correct dosing based on the protocols we're using. Um, a 15 milligram dose for someone that weighs, you know, close to 400 pounds is not going to cut it. It's just not enough. The worst part about that, again, is that communication you mentioned a minute ago. The line he drew in the sand, he could have easily communicated in the, you know, 20 conversations that we had about the subject when he said he'd be willing to honor the prescriptions, but he arbitrarily drew that line in the sand without communicating to the medical provider that's going to be prescribing it. So ultimately, he put a patient's life in danger. Absolutely. Delayed care by, in that case, delayed care by four days. Right. Because it was a Friday. Script had to go to the lower 48. They had to fulfill it and then ship it to Alaska. The time is of the essence with, with this. These, right, uh, right. The protocol that you're talking about that you're following, is, as I assume, is what the frontline doctors yes. basically and, and there's a lot of evidence to show that that has provided a lot of help for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. As long as it's early treatment. Yep, has to be We've early. Doctors come up here and speak to this. Uh, we, The one that anchorage that we had, the uh, right. the COVID uh, Alliance, uh, Alliance yep. uh, folks that came up and... Uh, what was who was the doctor up there that actually saved a lot of people? Dr. Uh, Malone. No, not Dr. Dr. Malone. Although he did come up, but the one that lives in Anchorage. Oh, Dr. Far. Dr. Far. Ilona Far. She's wonderful. Yeah. 
So another example of, of somebody who's done a lot of help in the community following these protocols, and it's like uh, we have to go fight, fight against these people that are right. That are and to stand and in Dr. Way of Fars had had some some hurdles too. Now she has not been backed into a wall to, to my knowledge yet, but she has definitely been time. subject of yeah. a lot of abuse. That's for sure. <clears throat> so. Um, I want to switch gears real quick again. Uh, we're keeping it lively. Go ahead, Steve. <coughs> so Steve Steve brought something up uh, that I had not heard. Um, go ahead. Oh, um, on April 7th, actually, uh, Tennessee Senate um, uh, had a lawmaker co-sponsor bill to allow ivermectin to be sold over the counter. Um, and I saw a news flash that that I believe had passed. Wow. You know, I've actually been looking to uh, become a snowbird in Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. There so There's another, another reason for you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> right. That's right. Because I'm looking for freedom. And you know exactly. what, ladies and gentlemen, you may believe that we live in a, in a free state, but in Alaska, we are vassals on the prince's land. Think about it. Just think about it. Do you have subsurface rights? No. Not unless you have patented land. And that was only made available before statehood. And there's precious little of it available now. Yeah. So let's talk about what happens when you don't pay your property taxes. Do you keep your property? No. So you're actually just renting. You're renting from the prince. And, and right now the prince has told you you don't have your, your uh, subsurface rights because they're holding it in common for everyone's benefit. But... If you watched what happened with the PFD this year, it doesn't seem that it's for everyone's benefit. Uh, so Governor Dunleavy just announced uh, that uh, he is appointing the daughter of billionaire, uh, I'm forgetting his first name, Rubenstein, uh, the owner of the Carlisle Carl Group. Carlisle Group, yeah. Yeah, uh, one of the largest uh private investment companies in the world. Uh, he is also a fund manager for the PFD. I think it's like eight point or $1.8 billion the PFD is under his control. But Governor Dunleavy just appointed his daughter to sit on the board of trustees. Mm. So no conflict of interest to see here. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Rubenstein's mother was the failed previous owner of the Alaska Daily News. This is the same woman who hosted Obama at her home. I don't know if it's Mirror Lake or I mean, it's one of the lakes there in Anchorage when he came to town. Oh, and by the way, Mr. Rubenstein loaned his Nantucket mansion to the vice, former vice president, uh, Joe Biden, this last Thanksgiving and the whole Biden clan went to have Thanksgiving at Rubenstein's estate. Mr. Rubenstein was traveling, oh, but, yeah. but our, our governor, our so-called conservative, uh, and zinc chief medical eugenicist, uh, you know, for Alaska, uh, has now made another blunder. You know, maybe he's just too stupid to know that uh, what he's doing doesn't smell like conservatism. Yeah, I don't know if I would say it's stupidity. I think, uh, I think he knows exactly what he's doing. I you think, uh, do? 
Yeah. Well, you, yeah. well, you know, you, you must be sarcastic. one of those you must be one of those conspiracy theorists. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you've neatly folded and put away your tinfoil hat, I see. But uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, where there's generally smoke, there's yeah. also generally what? Ducks, right? I put if it quacks like a duck and the, 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 <laughs> you know, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. no, no, the fire. <laughs> You know, uh, if it quacks like a duck and it walks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And where you see smoke, there's generally fire. And where there's a Dunleavy president, you can expect nothing to be done or all the wrong things to be done. And uh, he's running for office, by the way, for uh, governor of the great state of Alaska. He would like a second term. By the way, there's only two governors in our history that have achieved second terms so i don't think his odds are very good but let's talk about the governor real quick the governor's race because i want to get back to the meeting i went to last night this was district 7 the new designation for the former district 30 and the question before the district last night was shall we endorse provide an endorsement to the campaign of Christopher Kirka and Paul Huper, the Kirka Huper ticket. Now, you have to understand a little bit about how the party's organized. So the party is organized first at the neighborhood level by precincts, and there are usually you know one or two uh, precinct leaders per precinct. They come to what's called a district meeting. The district meeting is made up of a group of precincts in a district. So we're District 7. So all the precinct leaders are supposed to be coming to these meetings. And uh, we're better than most uh, districts in the state. We have the largest precinct leader uh, uh, participation that I know of. Um, But then at that meeting, the district has the responsibility to vet and promote conservative candidates to be on the ticket so they interview them they listen to what they have to say they look at the record and based on their performance they're supposed to give their nod now what a nod does is it does two things it makes it possible for that candidate to go out on the road and say district seven endorses me which is just a statement that says i've been vetted I am a true Republican. I'm not a Republican in name only, a rhino. And I do stand for the ideals of the party. That's what's supposed to happen. It also does something else. It releases uh, funds from the district because the districts are doing fundraisers. And you'll probably hear about some fundraisers coming up. But recognize that when a fundraiser is done... We're putting a lot of trust into the individuals at that meeting that they're actually doing work for us because most, let's face it, most people don't want to go sit in a dark room with a bunch of political nut jobs who actually get off. uh, It's fun for them to do all this stuff, you know, and I'm one of those nut jobs. So, you know, I can call people names because I am one, but, um, most people don't want to do that. They're perfectly happy to let their, their, their precinct leader do it for them um, and naively believe that they have everyone's best interest in mind. And uh, so when there is a fundraiser and you go to the fundraiser, 
you know, it'd be reasonable to assume that the money raised would be going to good conservative candidates and that there would never be any kind of cronyism or, you know, uh, self-dealing favoritism. favoritism, any kind of corruption. You know, I mean, we're all friends. We're all friends, right? We're all neighbors. We all live in the same community. We all want the same thing. Well, uh, if you don't get the endorsement, you don't get the money. If you don't get the money and the, the endorsement, you don't get to go out and say that I've been endorsed or that I've been vetted or that, you know, people agree. And so the long and short of it was that uh, Mr. Kirka gave a uh, was able to present his uh, platform. And uh, this committee had more time and opportunity to consider his request for endorsement than any other candidate. He sent out a resume, a letter to them two meetings ago. And uh, the question was put for, before the committee two meetings ago, and they said, well, let's go ahead and table the question so that enough people have time to consider his resume and do the research, right? Which is a higher standard than they applied to anyone else up to this point. So two meetings go by. He is available to appear by Zoom. I work for the campaign, by the way. I've mentioned that a number of times. I, I do get paid to help with strategy and writing. And so I went there to see what was happening behind the scenes. I'm also a precinct leader, so I have a right to be there and I have a right to vote. And so I was in the room and I, and I watched the dynamics of the room. And there was a particular individual who the second, and, and she is a Charlie supporter, who the second that he was going to go on made it sure, made everybody certain and, and, and aware she was going to time him and set a 15-minute timer. Yeah, She was very, very concerned about the time. So he gave his speech. I think he did a good job. I'll qualify that in a minute. But uh, he gave his speech, and as soon as it was done, she rushed up to the front to tell Dave Peck, the, the chairman, that she was setting another 15-minute timer for questions. She's very concerned about the time, very, very concerned. And so the question was put before the group, and there was a gentleman that stood up and said, I would like some discussion. And so they opened the floor to discussion. He said he was going to endorse Kirka, listed some reasons. And then I rose and I said, I would challenge everyone in the room who may be considering withholding support for uh, this endorsement to name one thing that this candidate has done that is in violation or, or opposition to the party's standards, the party's platform. platform his voting record, whatever, right? One thing. Now, this was the opportunity under parliamentary procedure for anybody who had a problem with him in this vetting process to stand and voice their concerns, to say, this is not a good guy. This is not a conservative. This is somebody who should not have access to funds or somebody who should not be able to say that we've endorsed him as a conservative. Now the rules of the party allow the district to endure, endorse numerous candidates. And in a year like this, where we're doing our very first rank choice voting, it's really important that we have four conservative options when we go to the polls. Because there's a lot of voter confusion about how to fill out that ballot. 
And if we don't have four candidates that are conservatives to put in there, people may feel like they have to vote for Bill Walker or Les Guerra and put him in that fourth spot. And I'm telling you right now, you don't have to do that. But there are plenty of people who will be confused, and that will happen if we don't have four solid, vetted, conservative candidates. So the vote went down, and Mr. Peck rose and said, the motion fails. And I immediately called for a division of the House. Now, division of the House is a procedural request to say, we want to know what the vote was. We want to know how many yeas there were, how many nays there were. This was a paper ballot. Just people wrote on it and, you know. And immediately, people on the other side of the room protested. No, we can't do that. Why are we? Really, Jason? Why? Blah, blah, blah. You know, bluster, bluster, bluster. And, And I said, it's called parliamentary procedure. It's how we do business. It's how we operate. So, you know, this is appropriate. And there were some questions and some stuff. And ultimately, it was decided to do it. Uh, there was one woman who, who, who basically called me out and was like, Jason, really? You know, and, and I just made the simple statement of, hey, if you don't like parliamentary procedure, which is a form of order, you know, that makes sure that we do things by the rules. I said, maybe you're in the wrong party because there is one party that likes to break up rules all the time. (laughs) But here's the reality is the Republican party has a cancer in it and it's growing. And ultimately when that division of the house was read, Christopher lost by one vote. And I made the statement, we are house divided. And that is in a nutshell, the state of Alaska Republican Party. All you have to do is look at this last legislative session and see what they did to the true conservative voices that were running or were, were trying to have amendments heard. You've already heard me talk about David Eastman and how he was shut down by Ben Carpenter or Phil Carpenter. I'm sorry. No, Ben Carpenter. Sorry, Phil is his little brother. I went to school with them. Uh, uh, ben Carpenter and Kevin McCabe, both Republicans, by the way, uh, who did not want to go on the record voting for amendments that they had, the exact same amendments that they had voted for in the previous legislative session, because now it's an election year, and they don't want to be on the record saying yay or nay. But, by the way, we now have the largest budget in state history, and they voted for it. So... We are right at an hour and two minutes of the conservative hour of power and enlightenment salon. It's been a pleasure to have Kristen and Steve on the show. Um, want to go ahead and wrap up with some final comments. <coughs> what do we need to know about monkeypox? Oh, heavens. Make sure you have bananas on hand. Make sure those bananas are fully vaccinated, though. That's right. With all their boosters. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to refrain from making silly jokes. Just remember to water and feed yourselves daily. Work on sleep and stress. Stress is really important. You need to work on your stress, young man. (laughs) Do we need sunshine? And sunshine, yes. Sunshine is amazing. Got to get as much as we can in the summertime yes. up here. We're getting plenty of it, it seems. 
Yes. So when you get monkeypox, do you do you also get like a propensity to throw poo at people? Jump around. Isn't that, and start isn't that the political party you were just talking about last <laughs> night? Oh heavens! <laughs> <laughs> so what do monkeypox look like? You know, I've kind of tried to stay really far from all of this. Um, I think all of us are trying to stay start, away from yeah. monkeypox. Start growing a tail. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, at this point, I am really working on encouraging people to not stress about every single virus that comes out. Right. Um, I don't want to <clears throat> see more hysteria like we had last year. I definitely don't want to see people staying in their houses for another year, months at a time. Um, the amount of environmental acquired illness that I've seen from people being in indoors and inside moldy buildings and houses has hit such a high this year that we basically are trying to get other providers trained. Is that what they call the cytokine storm or something? I've heard that that phrase bandied about quite a bit. I have no idea what it is. So it's it's not actually the, the COVID that hurts people. It's what happens around 10 days plus, seven to 10 days plus, and that's when the cytokines get really, really high. That's actually fairly common in environmental acquired illness, especially my patients that are suffering from biotoxin illness like mold, Lyme. Um, that, those type of toxins, it, it makes your cytokines really, really elevated, and, and it eventually can activate your clotting cascade. So it's, it can be a really bad thing, but in medicine, we know how to treat that stuff. What is a cytokine? Cytokines are basically the activation of your innate immune system. So your immune system is kind of fighting it with itself. So like stormtroopers. Sort of, yeah, oh, kind of okay. like stormtroopers. But y'all don't need to worry about that. Cue you the need Empire to music. take care of yourself. Uh, Self-care. Self-care <laughs> is really important. A healthy diet is really important. Um, sunshine exercise and stress reduction. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think the media is definitely wanting to hype up Mike Muggypox. I've, I've looked a little bit into it. Uh, the, um, the, the amount of people that are getting it is not really very alarming. Uh, the, the other thing, too, is that uh, the transmission between uh, animal and human species, uh, jumping like that, uh, is, is pretty, pretty slim. Um, I listened to a guy named Chris Martinson on YouTube. He's a very intelligent guy. He's got a PhD. I forgot exactly what it's in. Um, I listened to him primarily for a lot of financial stuff. But during the very, very beginning of the COVID uh, hysteria, he was... Uh, Pretty grounded, and uh, he was, you know, pretty, pretty grounded in the science, and he was looking at the data, and goes over really great uh, science, scientific studies. Anyways, he looked at the monkeypox. He said, "Guys, don't worry about this. I mean, for the most part, uh, you can look at the genome of the monkeypox, and you can see that it has not been manipulated, uh, so it's not a novel monkeypox, you know." Uh, but, you know, who knows? Uh, Bill Gates is also saying that, well, we're going to watch out for smallpox. That's going to come back. And, you know, uh, they've already had their uh, their their meeting, just like they did uh, before COVID, which was the uh, which was pretty coincidental. I think it was the event uh, 21. I think what was it called event 201, event 201 or something like that. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm concerned that uh, the response to something uh, like this is going to be, again, just hyperinflated, and we don't need that exactly from from, uh, from the establishment. We, uh, I think, can find doctors and find uh, people that can treat things uh, and have that liberty to go and find those ourselves. So uh, there is a website I would encourage all you conspiracy theorists out there to check out. 
It's, uh, it's called Deconstructing a Paradigm. Paradigm was a big fancy word that was uh, really popular at the end of the 90s. But um, unlike the 90s, this, uh, this website has a lot of interesting information to consume. Um, one of the tabs, as you look at, uh, I'll just read the, the, the banner head on the deconstructing a, a, a paradigm. It says, no matter how paranoid or conspiracy-minded you are, what the government is actually doing is worse than Far you worse. imagine. I'm sure. <laughs> is worse than you imagine. That was uh, William Bloom, or Blum, that uh, said that. And um, it's a really interesting website. Uh, there, there are uh, tabs, End Times, Video Archive, NWO Documents. That's code for all of you who don't know about the New World mm-hmm. Order. Uh, NWO Documents. Uh, the blog, the forum, and then members. If you go under the NWO documents, you will see a whole bunch of uh, documents that have been linked here that have been created by think tanks and foundations, some like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, uh, the WHO, the UN, the uh, CDC, the NIH. Um, At the very bottom of this uh, list, and it's quite extensive. You can go and read all the original source documentation. These are things that are published because they are very arrogant, the globalists. They believe that you don't care, that you're an ignorant fool, that you will never believe that uh, what they're actually doing through the the uh, economic, the World Economic Forum and, and things that, that uh, these evil things that they're doing. That you will never, never pay attention because you're just, you're the huddled slovenly masses who are there to enrich in the enlightened and uh, to be eradicated when you become too populous. But uh, this, uh, this, this particular document that I'm referring to uh, is, and I think you, you mentioned it, a world at risk. I believe it was the world at risk document that talked about the monkeypox, and that there that there was, um, there's there's actually, or maybe it's the a world in disorder. Those are the last two documents on this, but um, there's actually a timeline. It was a tabletop mm. exercise. Yeah. That's code for war games, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Right. It was a tabletop exercise in which they talked about a contagion and uh, being released, and it was the contagion was wait 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 for it. Monkeypox, and they talked about how it would be released uh, globally in in some very very uh, narrow bandwidth uh, within a very defined population. Which what have we learned about monkeypox? I've heard a number of people say, "Well, I'm not a homosexual, so I don't have to worry about it." <laughs> well, what happened? We've seen that monkeypox has been identified in the homosexual, homosexual community. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people, people uh, that might remind you of AIDS, HIV, yeah. that was where that first emerged. Um, but uh, there's also some new information out that uh, the organization Dr. Fauci's in, involved with, the one that's been funding gain of function, there's actually confirmation that he was funding gain of function research with monkeypox. And so 
Um, this timeline that they roll out says something about basically it's going to be released in the early, the late spring, early summer, in this very limited uh, period of time. Uh, it's going to be a nothing burger. Nobody's going to pay attention. It's going to go away. But then it's going to roll out later in the summer, early fall, on a global pandemic level that is going to destroy so many people's lives that the nations of the world are going to call for unity around control. Mm. Now, Joe Biden just released or sent a 13-page document to the WHO asking that they amend their international health treaty that is already in place to remove all of the operative language that says a state may choose to follow the recommendations of WHO to shall. That's very important. And it seems language. very, very uh, conveniently timed with the, the announcement of monkeypox. So keep your eyes on the skies. Uh, look at the news with a serious filter. Read between the lines and look for truth because it's out there. Thank you for joining us at the Ammo Can Coffee Social Club Conservative Hour of Power and Enlightenment. Uh, Steve, you've been really quiet. We're going to go ahead and close with you and our bumper music. So um, tell us how we can we can uh, be better participants in our community. You've already taken one step uh, towards that and withdrew, but talk about I think what we most, can do. I think the most important thing is don't be silent. Do not be silent. People, if we don't talk... Nobody knows what you're thinking. And our government, we've learned through painful experience, silence is acquiescence. History shows that as well. Yep. So I find it curious. This has been happening a lot. At the end of our show, people are saying what we've been saying all along. In our litmus test, our membership requirement statement, where it says out of three empyreal acknowledgments in the very last one that we require, if you want to become a member of the Ammo Can Coffee Social Club, you have to agree in this principle that where one voice is easily silenced, many voices raised together in righteous solidarity must prevail. Thank you for joining us. We will uh, talk to you again next week. And I'm sure that it will be another riveting hour packed with power.